Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the Family Promise Program. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Llewellyn, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Deacon Bonnie. I serve as the deacon for faith formation and community engagement at Central. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. All right. Welcome back, Deacon Bonnie. Whoop, whoop. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. Let's start with the obvious question. What is the Family Promise Program? So Family Promise is a national organization with local chapters that has the mission statement essentially because every child deserves a home. So this organization has existed for decades. And recently, this last summer, the local chapter of the Metro East chapter in Portland opened up in August. How did you hear about this program? Their current coordinator, uh, who um, was working to recruit host and support congregations, actually made contact with Pastor Amanda while I was out of town, and she passed them on to me. Do they only work with congregations, or is it anybody with a suitable space can help and be a part of it? They actually have evolved out of a faith-based organization to a broader foundation of community organizations and congregations. Okay. So what then speaks to you about this Family Promise program versus there's got to be more? In this town with the need for housing, there's got to be more programs out there. What particularly drew me in to Family Promise as a great match for Central Lutheran was the need for us to provide something we have an abundance of, which is space. Uh I am always looking for faith formation opportunities that move beyond the transactional. So this is an organization that wasn't looking only for a financial support or even an in-gathering of items or an opportunity for us to individually volunteer in what they already had going on, but it was really an invitation for us to live into the decision Central made a few years ago, which was to keep the building and break it open for Jesus. So the distinction there being, they're not asking for just a strict monetary donation. They want more than food bank items and diapers and that kind of stuff. And you wanted to use the space that we have at the church that for most people's understanding, other than Sunday morning, kind of goes underutilized, right? Right. Especially when you look at the building as a ministry tool. So we have three quarters of a city block that our congregation has the privilege of owning and being responsible for and utilizing in a city where hundreds and thousands of people have no fixed address, where they don't know where they will stay warm or dry tonight. And so the disparity between what really amounts to, depending on how you count things, and I don't really like trying to count who belongs to or doesn't belong to a church and who makes up the decision makers and who doesn't. But if you look around on a Sunday morning and there's 50 or fewer people participating in worship, and even if you looked at the list of who gets our communications and participates in that way, we have fewer than 200 people who would call themselves regular stakeholders, 
in what happens in our building from the congregational standpoint. But we have three quarters of a city block mm-hmm. that we get to make decisions about how to utilize. I feel like we might be being invited into participating more deeply in the thriving of our neighbor. I would definitely agree. So what was the process then of getting involved with this program? Did like the church have to go through some background check vetting situation or had they already sort of decided you have the space, we trust in your abilities? So the initial conversations were with Family Promise talking about the two kinds of engagement that they offer their community partners. One is to be a host congregation and one is to be a support congregation. So a host congregation is a site where we would actually take our turn in the rotational shelter model. And a support congregation means that the folks are being hosted elsewhere and your individual members can go through volunteer training and show up in those other places to take one of those volunteer roles. And so it was the conversation about what level of participation would be appropriate for Central was the first question. Mm -hmm. For folks who haven't heard of anything like this before, what does it mean that this is a rotational shelter? You just mentioned that as you were describing this. So the rotational shelter model lets you utilize a whole network of partnerships where we can provide hospitality location for one week at a time, one time a quarter. So four different times a year, we will have overnight space available for houseless families for one week. So that means that we don't need to have the capacity to change our programming or our infrastructure in the ways that it would take to say, we're going to open a shelter in the basement of the church, that that's just what the basement of the church is going to be, is a shelter, and we need all of the regular facility stuff and staffing, and uh, we need to take any other programming out of that area. Instead of dismantling everything and concentrating everything in one spot, this allows you to say, what shifts can we make that help us be a link in a chain that can provide stability, safety, comfort, alleviation of suffering, for a small group of people at a time. I have to say out of all of it, the one thing that gave me pause is a week does not sound like a lot of time. And it sounds more disruptive to be moving a family week by week by week. But I can only imagine that this program has that figured out. And I'm guessing we'll find out when our turn is up. I think one thing to keep in mind is that The crisis of houselessness that we have here in the Portland area is so immense, its underlying causes so complex, and the population it impacts so diverse that the types of solutions and mitigations needed have to be incredibly varied. Sure. This would not be the appropriate model for some people. This is not a one-size-fits-all because there is no one-size-fits-all that's going to be able to have a significant impact with such a complex challenge. Mm -hmm. So this is one way of having an impact, and there are other ways. And so 
in this particular model, it centers children as its primary focus of who are we trying to serve. And by having the rotational model, they are able to create 12 to 15 host sites that are all within a three-mile radius of each other. Nice. Where the kids are able to stay enrolled in one school throughout their time and services. In the same way that we talked about by being a rotational shelter on the host site end, we don't have to eliminate all programming. We don't have to become a social service agency. We don't have to be licensed as a long-term shelter. It's pairing together that available resource. So that way it is able to stay small for one piece. Uh, They max out at serving 14 people at a time. And those 14 people um, need to fit within a configuration of three families. So they're never serving more than three families at a time. If you were going to need to maintain the infrastructure of a full shelter model, you're going to have to scale that up Mm -hmm. and people are going to need to live in larger groups because what we end up qualifying for is temporary shelter. The regulations are very different. This is approved by the fire marshal and you get temporary shelter status that lets you operate as a shelter for a set number of days in a year. Okay. But it means that we do not need to do all of the kind of retrofitting and infrastructure changes that we would need to do if that was going to become a primary way of using our space. That makes sense. Yeah. So that allows these folks to stay in small groups and receive individualized wraparound supports. Speaking of the wraparound supports, one of the things that I really admire about Family Promise, and this is something that I have been familiar with this program down in the Rogue Valley, down in the Medford area, and up in Skagit Valley, up in Mount Vernon, Washington. So when Becky came to me prior to me passing this off to Deacon, knowing how amazing she would be with this program, a couple of things that are particularly unique about how Family Promise works that are worth noting. First is that Family Promise serves families. And with this focus on children, one of the unique pieces is that families stay together, Mm -hmm. that they are not separated from each other. A lot of shelter models end up needing to separate the parents from children by gender. And Family Promise is unique in keeping people together. And the other piece goes straight to that wraparound model that Deacon just mentioned, which is that while there are a multitude of different host sites where the family is moving to on a weekly basis, there is a primary day center that then becomes the central hub of resourcing. I don't remember all of the staffing that the program here currently has. I know there's at least one full-time staffed social worker but I know there's at least another staff person there who's doing program direction. What are the staff positions and what kinds of services are offered at the local day center for our program? The chapter here, the Metro East chapter has two staff. Uh, They have a director and they have a family navigator and it's the family navigator who helps primarily with those wraparound supports of qualifying for assistance, getting signed up for housing, and just problem-solving next steps with families about moving towards stabilization. 
So Family Promise and their wraparound supports looks for ways first to avoid houselessness, if at all possible. So Mm -hmm. finding out about families who are on the edge of crisis and trying to find ways to mitigate that, whether it's through connecting with community resources or whatever it can be that helps people not lose their housing in the first place. Um, Because we know that one of the primary solutions to houselessness is to prevent people from becoming unhoused. Sure. Because once you're unhoused, getting housed again is much harder. Yeah. So the Family Navigator helps with those pieces. And then for folks who are in the program, it is traveling alongside families to find out what supports they need to make their next steps. The part I get excited about is the faith formation opportunity. But of course, that's the part I get excited about. That's what I get excited about in life. Like, what does this have to do with anything? So for me, why this gets me so excited is that it's not just an opportunity to do good. Doing good is great. And it's not just an opportunity to help. There's a lot of problematic things in dominant Christian religion come out of the charity model, that come out of mentalities that point to the less fortunate, all of these things that really don't point to the wholeness and reconciliation that Jesus represents. You know, Jesus isn't about propping up power struggles that give us the opportunity to feel bad for someone else and prove our righteousness. It's this reconciliation piece, this restoration. And the model here by sharing our space and inviting people in and letting them be the directors of their own lives and coming alongside to be in relationship, these are steps into a mutual aid model that we haven't had the opportunity to engage in very frequently at Central or really to engage in very frequently in most of my experience of the Lutheran Church. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a million probably more than a million things that I could find both through direct social network and through just research about here's a great opportunity. You know, here's a whole, I could, I could be Central Lutheran's own little give good guide and tell people, these are people and organizations I've vetted. I think we should do a volunteer shift there. I think we should write them a check. But what are the things that break down those power structures? What are the things that open us up to God's movement in our lives. And this isn't a question of utilizing other people's suffering for our own self-improvement. That's not what I'm looking for creating an opportunity for, but where we come along in relationship and can actually experience transformation and formation more so than just sort of an affirmation that I'm a good person and that I'm also a lucky person. And because I know I'm lucky, I know I need to give back, and because I'm good, I do that through my church in the name of Jesus. These are problematic ways that lots of us have been taught about how to respond to the needs of our neighbor. So I'm really looking forward to the partnerships. Another piece of the partnership that really excites me about this is, as a host congregation, we have the opportunity to invite people into relationship with us. I have taken seriously Central's desire to break the building open for Jesus and to think about what does this actually mean? We could think that it means being a place that people can rent out. And there are times that that's a great resource. I think some of the things that we provide in that model are really good. Music Mm -hmm. together, pieces like that. Years ago, when I was doing community organizing, 
there was a woman who said something about her own congregation that has just always stuck with me. And essentially what she said is, you know what I want people to say? I don't want them to say, oh, you know, Good Shepherd Church. I know where that is. I want people to say, I know who they are. We have a church that's a landmark building. Yep. Got a great big tall bell tower with a cross on it that we fought the city over having. I mean, it's a landmark. But do our neighbors know us and have any idea what we're for? So I would love it if at least those who live near us didn't say, oh, Central Lutheran Church. Yeah, I know where that is. That's the one that has the bell tower with the big city uproar. I want them to say, oh, Central Lutheran Church. That's where I can participate in the common life of my neighborhood in ways that are for the good of all. So even if you never want to come to a worship service, even if your kid isn't paying to take a class there, but you know that that's where you went and donated blood, that that's where you went and got your uh, Red Cross training, that that's where you did volunteer shifts for the Family Promise Shelter model, that that's where, where can community happen? And where can we be a conduit and a demonstration of what it looks like to work for the thriving of our neighbor. These are pieces that I'm passionate about that I feel like Family Promise just breaks open lots of opportunities for in ways that either more transactional models of support don't break open or that things that don't happen in our site don't break open. I've been at Central almost 20 years, and in the time I've been there, I've never seen us have a facility-based ministry. We have tons of ministry that happens. Sure. And lots of ways we invite people we are comfortable with and who are like us into our building to collaborate together on things. But what are the ways that we are willing to make ourselves vulnerable, make ourselves hospitable servants in the model of Jesus, where we invite folks in, not so that we can form and shape them, but so that they can form and shape us, um, so that we are in a relationship of mutuality. And so for me, part of how that happens is in relationship with the people we serve at Family Promise. Part of how that happens is with the people who are part of the organization of Family Promise. And part of how that happens is through the support congregation that we get to be in relationship with and the community members that we get to invite into participating in the program. So it's this multi-level approach of deep relationship that has drawn me to this particular opportunity. What has the prep work been like? I know you said we're temporary shelter at Central, but still things have to be done before you're ready for a group of 14 with a bunch of kids to come in. Yeah. Well, there's the technical prep work, the stuff you can put on a checklist. So first was having the fire marshal out. Sure. We identified three different spaces within the building that we might be able to utilize for Family Promise. We had the fire marshal come out and look at all three spaces and then tell us which one was going to be the easiest to meet the requirements of the fire marshal for temporary shelter. Um, and that became our downstairs space that was formerly the indoor park and the choir room downstairs. Mm -hmm. A very small list of things we needed to do, adding extra smoke detectors and CO detectors and extra fire extinguisher. And then we were good to go from that sort of, you know, zoning and legalistic standpoint. Of sure. Like, yes, your building is safe to do this in. 
And then the next piece was working with Family Promise to identify who our support congregation could be. As we talked about this idea, one of the things that has been a challenge and an opportunity for the people of Central to think about is sort of our self-assessment that we are smaller, older, more tired, more broke than we've ever been. Mm -hmm. And so that makes us afraid to give ourselves away, or it makes us wonder what capacity we have. For me, theology is often boiled down to some really simple things. My human nature makes me want to curl in on myself, care for myself, defend myself, even if that's just defending myself from the possibility of failure and shame. Mm -hmm. And it is my faith and the beauty of grace that invites me to open up to that vulnerability, to instead of turning my shoulder to the world in half defense and pushing forward, you just open your chest and step on in. As the dominance of Christianity wanes in our culture, I think it becomes an easy invitation for Christians to curl in on themselves because we feel less than we've ever felt before. We don't have the influence we used to have. We don't have the size we used to have. Not everybody speaks our language anymore. How do we not meet that in a shriveling, scarcity mindset, but instead look around us and see the amazing abundance that is owning three quarters of a city block, mm -hmm. that is having roofs over our head, that is having 13 toilets in a building that exists in a city that can't get past having two public toilets available for hundreds of unhoused people. Mm -hmm. And so do we respond by that, to that abundance by curling in in our fear? There aren't enough of us to do what needs to be done. And what if this doesn't work the way we want it to? Or do we take a deep breath and admit that we're worried and admit that it's hard and admit that we follow a Jesus who invites us to open our hands and follow out the door and into relationship and to seek connectivity. When you feel like there's nothing, it's time to unfurl yourself a bit and see all the abundance around us. So I'm hoping that this is an opportunity for that, for us as a people. So if this goes well, which pretty hopeful and fairly sure it will, do you have any other ideas for the building and the congregation? If we have this temporary status, does that mean we're a possible cooling or warming center in the more extreme weather that happens around here? Or are we looking for other things to do beyond blood drives? One of the challenges of my role in my mind is that I feel like I go around very carefully starting 50 little fires. <laughs> starting and, them, not putting them out, yes. starting them. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so I start 50 little fires that all seem like they can become something. And you blow on them and you tend them and you look for what's going to feed them. And then you go through usually this slump where you're like, I set 50 fires and nothing's catching. I am a terrible <laughs> fire starter. Why am I even trying? And then... On the other side of that slump, you go, oh, crap, there were like six fires and I've only got the plan for three. <laughs> I'm only one person. <laughs> right. And so I feel very much like when I came back last August from my July break, 
my brain was full of what are the new fires? You know, we had been through pandemic. We had been through just beginning to emerge at the, you know, really February on into what does it mean to be people in a building Mm -hmm. and people who can turn now from having our primary focus being how do we stay in relationship with each other when we're no longer gathering on a regular basis in person to, oh, that's right, we're invited to relationship in the world. What does that look like? And so that was the energy I came back in August with was what does that look like? And I feel like I started 50 Little Fires And some of them still have some glow and I might come back to them later. And then there are these things like Family Promise where that fire started, you know, the sparks were lit in August, conversation after conversation with the Family Promise organization. And then the beginning of conversation with stakeholders in our congregation, Mm -hmm. figuring out who are the primary stakeholders, what are the potential barriers What questions do we need to answer? How do we operate with transparency? How do we get buy-in? How does this become something that can capture the passion and interest and energy of the people in the congregation? How do we mitigate those fears of scarcity? So all of that tending from August to the January vote to go forward Mm -hmm. was sort of like stage one of Fire Building 101. So that piece, uh, the blood drives uh, that'll be happening quarterly, those are like the little fire lightings that happened after last summer. We're also moving to having the Kids Collective happen in our building, which is an added extension of what we've been doing for youth Mm -hmm. connectivity. And as we move forward now, it's wondering what are the sparks that will fly off of the things we've done? So what are the new opportunities that open. So by having this conditional use shelter permit that gets renewed yearly, Uh we can actually house people in that space of the church for up to 120 nights a year. Oh, wow. Okay. So 28 of those nights belong to Family Promise. That's a significant amount that's still open and available though, right? Right. And all we have to do, should we choose to engage that space, is let the fire marshal know. Okay. So, for example, um, you know, fire season in Oregon has been horrible, Mm -hmm. and we have had to have people very close to the metro area evacuate Sure. in prior years. And when that question would come up for Central, we were not equipped to be a shelter. Um, We didn't have supplies. We didn't have authorization. We didn't have really the capacity Now we do. I mean, there's lots to think about. I'm not just saying every time there's a need, sure, I'm going to run out there and hang up a sign because that's not appropriate. That's not my role. Not for me to decide. Otherwise, there'd always be a sign. (laughs) So, yeah. So looking for those opportunities of it's 115 out. And if you live on the second floor or above in Portland and you don't have air conditioning, we could house people in our nice, cool basement. If the air is terrible with smoke and issues, some of what we have available could be better. Uh, If you're evacuated because of your proximity, we would be a place for that. And I would love to see how we could actually develop that into a greater neighborhood-based disaster response opportunity. Sure. If I understand correctly, what happened with the remodel 20, 25 years ago is that the building was retrofitted for earthquake. Okay. It was seismically retrofit. 
in order to protect the balcony and the fellowship hall area in particular. So what happens if we become a place that people know they can come to, that there are people willing to meet them there, willing to help coordinate them? What if we are a place that is seen as a community space in the neighborhood that wants to respond to the needs of its neighbor, whatever that looks like? And then we grow into that capacity based on what the neighbors let us know they need, more so than a projection of what we think is needed. But what are we hear from the neighbors as we deepen relationship with them? Excellent. Okay, well, that's going to lead me to my last question, which we've kind of touched on, but what are you really hoping for, for Central, the congregation, in joining this program? The best solution to feeling hopeless is to step into the opportunity to point to hope for others. I like it. Pastor Manny, you have any last thoughts? I just want to thank Deacon so much for sharing your passion and your excitement today. It is always a gift and a treasure to get you talking about things that set the spirit afire in you. And what a treasure this has been. So thank you for sharing this today. What a gift. Absolutely. Thank you both for taking the time to help everybody learn a little more about the Family Promise Program. I look forward to hopefully sitting down and talking to Deacon Bonnie again about some of these little fires that are going to spark into something else and uh, another time on another topic. Indeed. Deacon, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Until we are back in your ears, remember you are always welcome to reach out to us. If you would like to volunteer and be a part of the Family Promise program, we would love to hear from you. We have opportunities for folks to be able to help with meals, opportunities for folks from a distance. If you would like to help supply things like bed linens, or as we move down the road and know what kinds of things can create soft, comforting, wonderful places for families and children to sleep overnight. We may have wish lists of items like lamps, rugs, small end tables in order to set up spaces for families to find a cozy place to rest. We will have information about this further on our website, centralportland.org and on our podcast page. So please feel free to reach out to us. You can also reach out to us directly at podcast at centralportland.org or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash centrallutheran to learn more about the Family Promise program. That will be on the Central Lutheran page more than on our podcast page. Thank you all so much for listening along. And until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.